Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Everybody good? You guys good? And we hope all of you guys are doing well at home as well, online with us. Hey, would you guys give these folks a hand? Thank you guys for being with us today. So grateful that you're here. So glad you are all here. It's Memorial Day weekend, which means some of you have the weekend off, tomorrow off. And the fact that you're here and not at the lake or the beach or just sleeping in is awesome. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here. We know there's a lot of folks that are enjoying themselves, and we're glad that they are. But we're also so glad that you're here. You know, Memorial Day is not just a uh, day to, to eat the foods that we don't normally get to eat and celebrate. It's also a day of remembrance. Most importantly, it's a day of remembrance, and it's a day for us to remember the literally hundreds of thousands of men and women who uh, in our nation's history have paid the ultimate price so that we get to be here doing what we're doing to get the liberty, the life, the, the love that we get to have in this country, and um, we remember them. And I hope that tomorrow during whatever you do that you pause with your family and you just remember the men and women um, who, who gave it all. Um, so that we could have the freedoms that we enjoy. Um, I, I, um, I want to also just say, um, before we move on, uh, that we want to add our voice to the voices of people all across this country who are praying for our neighbors over in Uvalde this, this week. As we all know what happened, um, that terrible, terrible, um, evil thing that happened to those 19 children, those two teachers, and then there are others that are still um, in the hospital and fighting for their lives or recovering and uh, our church is going to respond we we haven't been able to find a partner just yet but here's what's cool um, this past week some of our life pointers who are first responders were there serving um, Ken and Stacy Williams uh, Williamson who are on our team um, they're chaplains with um, the Billy Graham Association and uh, Samaritan's Purse they've been there all week serving um, so LifePoint's been represented there, and, uh, but we want to pray for them. We want to pray for all those people. Uh, we can't imagine what those families are going through right now and the grief that they're feeling, uh, but we certainly can pray and ask God to help and to change. I don't know what the answers are for all these problems. I don't know, but I know there is a God who loves and sees, and so we're just going to pray. So Lord, you are the God of peace, um, we learn in Philippians, and you're the God of peace, and you bring the peace of God which passes all understanding to guard hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and so Lord for every family that's grieving this week this this incredibly tough week that they're going to have uh, ahead that they've already been experiencing with with funerals coming God I pray for hope and comfort and life and I pray for strength God beyond their their normal abilities God I pray for wisdom for the leaders and the, the officials and the pastors and the priests and the ministers who are going to be uh, and have been doing their part this week in, in Uvalde, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would uh, strengthen and comfort. I pray you'd, you'd give us hope, Lord, beyond the here and the now. And God, that, that you would bring answers and you'd bring strength. God, this, this nation, this country, um, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. God, we need your power and your presence. We need you to revive us and wake us up, oh God. And I pray that you would do that. And we pray for our friends and our neighbors over in Uvalde that you give them strength and comfort this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. Amen.
Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors. Last week, um, I brought to you a, a message um, on the book on the, from the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is called the Beatitudes. You, uh, if you weren't here, uh, I'd love it if you'd go check that out on, at lifepointsa.com or on our YouTube page or, or, or on any of our podcast pages. Um, I think it might help you understand those words of Jesus that have been an enigma for us uh, so long. Like, what do we do with the Beatitudes? Are we supposed to respond to them in some way? And uh, what we learned last week, um, and by, by the way, it's Memorial Day weekend, and, and I just want to teach today. I'm going to just teach uh, what God put on my heart a couple of weeks ago for these two weeks. <clears throat> They're going to be connected from yes, last week to this week. Um, these are things that I learned, uh, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago um, from a pastor named John Ortberg, and that just changed my thinking about so many of these things that related to the Sermon on the Mount. And I just want to give you my take on them. But, but, but we, last week we covered this idea that regardless of who you are, what your backstory is, where you come from, that when, 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 we bring, when we allow God to move in our life, the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God to come into our hearts and our lives, um, no matter what our background is, we're blessed. That's what he says. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn now, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who thirst after righteousness. And he just, he just pronounces blessings upon all these people. And we also learned that maybe the Beatitudes aren't a, a, a list of things that we should have to do. Like, like some people teach them as the B-attitudes, things we're supposed to cultivate in our lives. But in fact, it's a declaration of grace and, and blessing. It's an announcement Jesus is giving. The whole Sermon on the Mount is an announcement that up there, the kingdom of God, of heaven, the kingdom of God has come down and is available to, to everyone through Jesus. We'll, we'll experience some of it now and we'll experience it in all of its fullness in, in eternity. But he says over and over again, blessed, 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 blessed are you. But what does it mean to be blessed? What does that even mean? Um, it, it means in part that the God who created all that exists, all the beauty of this world, all the creation, the natural world, the God who created all that exists is working on your behalf for your good and for his glory. Okay, everybody with me? that it's, it's supernatural favor. It's the grace of God that doesn't just show up at my salvation and, and, and show me grace and mercy, but it shows up through all the days of my life. It's an outflowing of grace in your life. God's pouring grace down. God's pouring grace out. And so I just want to take you back to the beginning of God's word because some of us, some of us may have grown up like I did where we didn't have the, the proper view of God. Maybe, maybe you had, like me, this idea that God was mad, like he was, he, was, he was old, he was far away, he had forgotten me, what, what disappointed with me. But, but if you go from the beginning to the end of, of, of the book, you find that when it comes to God's people, that God is loyal to his people, that God is blessing his people, that, that 2 Chronicles 16 says that the eyes of the Lord are, are ranging throughout the, the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Like, he's a God of blessing. And, and you may have thought about him in a different way. You may have heard about him in a different way. But he's a God who wants to show his love and his grace and his favor uh, for us. And he doesn't just show it to religious people and, and the perfect people of the world. But, he, but as we read last week, he shows it to the people who other people have forgotten, the people who are marginalized or forgotten. God sees you. God knows you. And right out of the gate in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, it, it starts talking about the creation 
creations, the creatures in the sea and, and the winged birds and all of them that, that are there. And here's what it says about them. And God saw that it was good and God, what? Blessed them. He, like, God is so, so good that he even blesses the creatures that he's created. And, and, and when we see this word blessed, we, 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 we know it's grace. It's the grace of God. This word blessed or, or bless is used 400 times in the Old Testament alone. In the beginning, I want you to understand this. There's a pattern. In the beginning, in the creative story, God creates, number one, and then God blesses. He creates something out of nothing, and then he blesses it, and it happens all the way through the story. We come to God creating human beings, and, and, and God said, created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God what? God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and, and s- subdue it. So God made the creation, the created things, um, because he wanted something to bless. God made humankind because he wanted somebody to bless and have relationship with. And then he gets to the end of the creation story. On the seventh day, he rests. He loves the seventh day so much that he, he blesses. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. But, but when we read this right here, it's not that he just blesses the day, it's that he makes the day become a blessing. He blesses the day so the day can become a blessing so that you and I will have a, a rhythm of rest throughout our week, of recalibration, of, of restoring. And then after the flood, the flood happens. If you know the, the story in Genesis, there's a flood. After the flood, the Bible says God blessed Noah and, and his son, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and, and fill the whole earth. God loves to bless. He creates, he blesses, and he loves especially the people of this earth. He creates them in his own image and and, and he blesses everything. And and there's a purpose to all of this blessing. We're gonna get back to the Sermon on the Mount in just a minute, but I I wanna take you somewhere first. There's a purpose. And we get clear on the purpose of, of why God's blessing. Why is he pouring out supernatural favor, supernatural blessing? He, com- he comes to, a guy, in, in Genesis, he comes to a guy whose name was Abram. He renames him Abraham after he blesses him. But something changes. Here's what it says. He says to Abram, I will make you, by the way, when you see this word here, it shows up all throughout the text. I will make you. I want you to know that God not only makes you in his image in your mother's womb, he forms you in your mother's womb, he makes you exactly the person that you're going to be, but he doesn't stop, he makes you all the days of your life. He's forming you, he's molding you, he's shaping you, he's making you more and more like Jesus. I will make you, Abram, into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a, say it with me, a blessing, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see the switch? It's just bless, 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 but with Abraham, I'm gonna use you as a kind of conduit of blessing, and now we're getting to the heart of why God loves to bless people. I will bless you, and I will bless through you, God wants to bless us, but listen, God doesn't just bless us for our own sake. It's not just like, hey, let me pour out an awesome blessing on you. God blesses us to become 
a blessing. He wants to use us. And, and, and if we don't catch this, we miss the whole thing. We miss the whole point, uh, one of the big points of why we're on this planet to begin with, right? We are, we are dispensers of grace. You guys remember those little Pez? Come on, everybody remember Pez? Like you pop the head back and it pops out a little bit of blessing. Can I get an amen, somebody? They're not very good, but they're little blessings, little, little rectangular, hollowed out, tasteless blessings. Come on, everybody. First Peter 4, 10. Let me, let, me get it, let, me, let me make sure I got it right. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received, serving others faithfully, administering, dispensing, administering God's grace in its various forms. God's grace comes down, but it, but it has a flow about it. Come on, it doesn't just flow down, it has to flow out. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received, serving others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms, right? So, so, so the reason that blessing is so prominent in the Old and the New Testament, in the Bible, is that it, it, it becomes the answer to the ultimate, the inevitable question that human beings have, which is, what is life all about? And, and, and who has the good life? And what is the good life? And what is the blessed life? Is it just for people with money? Is it just for people with looks? The good looks, people with good health? Is it people that, that, that have the right connections, the powerful? And Jesus comes along in the Beatitudes and says, no, 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 no. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall, they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's not just for the people that our world, our culture, especially our American culture, here's who's blessed, here's who has the good life. Jesus comes along and says, no, no, I'm gonna turn that upside down. Blessed, 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 blessed are are, are you. And, 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 And so God comes to Abraham one day, and this is critical here. Abraham, I'm gonna bless you, but not just for your sake, not just because you're awesome, even though you are, but because this world is a mess, Abraham. It's my world, though. I created this world, and I want it back, and I wanna fix it. So I'm gonna work through you, Abraham, and I'm gonna create a nation from you. There's, it's gonna be more than the sands of the sea. You're not gonna be able to count how many people are gonna come from you, and you're gonna become a blessing conduit, not just you, but the people that come from you, you will be blessed to be a blessing. Now, I wanna ask you, anybody in this room feel blessed today? Ever in your life, your body, you look at your life, you look at your body, you look at your mind, you look at your education, your home, your friends, your gifts, your IQ, the food, your house, your home, your opportunities, your car, are you blessed? Did you ever receive anything in this life that you didn't earn or didn't deserve? Yes. How many of you would say, I've been blessed? Okay, here's the, an- here's the question, why? Why were you blessed? To be a blessing, it's not just for me or you. Now, this gets to the heart of God, it's important. This is God's vision from Abraham and the people group that he's gonna form, this nation of Israel that's gonna form from Abraham. This is the vision, that they are blessed to be a blessing. God calls this blessed to be a blessing relationship he has with the nation of Israel, he calls it a covenant. 
A covenant is a sacred pledge. It's a solemn vow. It's a declaration of the heart. It shall be so. It's what you do when you get married. It's not just a contract. You're making a covenant. Like it shall be so. And throughout the Old Testament, there's this imagery that God will use to describe this covenant relationship that he has with his people. So he says in Numbers 18, this is one of them. This is 18 verse 6. Can we get that to say 6? It is an everlasting covenant of salt, right? Covenant of salt, which is kind of like, what? What does that even mean? We'll, we'll explain. He's making this with these priests that, this na- that are representing the nation of Israel. He says, the covenant of salt before the Lord for, for both you and your offspring, meaning the generations that are coming. He says, I'm going to make a covenant of salt with you. Now, it's a weird word to think about salt. Because in our day, salt is like optional. My doctor tells me, stop eating it, Danny. It's making your blood pressure get higher. Come on, right? Like my parents are all from Indiana, right? So if you're from Indiana, I'm not throwing shade on you. I'm just talking about my family from Indiana up there. They don't believe in salt. Like it's too tasty. Come on, y'all. Like, right? In, in the Midwest, it's like the food groups are butter, sugar, coffee, and syrup. Come on, can I get an amen from Midwesterners, right? Nothing too tasty or spicy. Like ketchup, a little bit spicy. Come on, y'all. You go to some restaurants and, like, and they say it's a, like it's a Mexican restaurant, and you go in there and they've got ketchup for dip. Come on, like, it's like where, where's the green? Where's the jalapenos? Come on, where's the cilantro? Come on, where's the serranos? Come on. Ketchup. I don't, anyway, I don't, I'm, that's not what I came to talk about today. Where's the salt? Come on. In the ancient world, though, salt wasn't optional. In the ancient world, there was no refrigeration. So decay and rot were the great enemies of life and, and food, and salt was the, was the force that could arrest decay. It could preserve. It could purify. Think about it. It was used in Roman times to pay salaries, right? The word sal, sal in, in, in is, is salt. Salary, that's where it came from. They would actually pay the, 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 the Roman soldiers in salt. This is where the phrase, he's worth his salt, comes from. That's where all that comes from, Right? So it's used to purify. When I was a kid growing up in Kenya, my parents were missionaries. We were were raised in Nairobi. I'm eight years old. I'm running around. Everything's cutting me, scratching me. All the animals, all the creatures want to eat me. All the plants are trying to eat me. It was the best days of my life. Come on, man. (laughs) Totally shredded out. Ran around with no shoes on all the time. Feet jacked up. Mom and dad would take us to Mombasa, this town on the eastern shore. And and we go to the coast and we get into the water and the salt from the water, two days, we like baby skin. All the scratch is gone because it heals, it purifies. It pur- it, it's a beautiful thing. Every, God's saying, everything is spoiled. So Abram, I'm gonna start a new people group from you. And I'm gonna have a covenant of salt with them so that through my people, through their influence in the world around them, I can begin the process of undoing what's happened, of saving my world from corruption and decay and rot. They're going to be a people who add flavor and who preserve the world. They're going to add value and save the world. And then he uses another image. This is Isaiah. I will keep you and will make you to be a, say it with me, a covenant. This is another image, a covenant for the people and, and a light. It's a covenant of light for the, the Gentiles. So now it's not just about the nation of Israel. It's a covenant of light for the 
for the Gentiles, for the rest of the world. And, and, and so now it's not just about Israel. It's not just an insider deal. He's saying at some point, Abraham, at some point, nation of Israel, there, there, there's gonna sp- it's gonna spread beyond your borders. And God, it goes on with Isaiah in Isaiah 49. It says, hey, and this is all messianic, by the way. This is talking about the coming Messiah. It, it is far too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel, meaning it's too small for you just to go restore the tribes of, 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 of Israel. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. God says, my world is dark. My people are confused. There's an absence of direction and clarity and, and they're scared, but I want you to be the light. I want you to, to, to bring hope and confidence and, and a posture of poise and, and a light, not just for yourself, but for the Gentiles, for the whole world, blessed to be blessing. This is God's vision for Israel. This is God's vision for his people. This is the plan, part of the mission of Jesus. A covenant of salt, a covenant of light. Now, by the time Jesus comes on the scene, all of this has been lost. There there was no the nation of Israel was not flavoring the world. It was not light. It was not a bright light. It was not salt for the earth. In fact, when Jesus comes in, in the, the surrounding, the people around him, there's four major factions that are all warring and fighting and, 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 and disrupting things. Um, but they had vision, each of them had visions for Israel that were at start, were stark contrast to God's vision of blessing and hope and life and light and salt. There was first of all Rome, the occupiers. They had taken over Israel. And, and the only, their vision for Israel was that it was just to enrich them, to, to, to pay money to them in their coffers. There was another group of Israelites called the Zealots. They hated Rome. They were, they were, they were, they were trying to overthrow Rome um, through acts of, of uh, like assassinations and revolutionary practices. They, they, they finally succeed in AD 66-ish. They overthrow, they throw Rome out of Jerusalem for a little while and then they get all destroyed. They take the whole town out. Um, and their mission for Israel was that we were made to rule the world, Israel was. Then there was another group of people. They were called the Sadducees. They were, a lot of them were priests, in fact. But, th- but they were folks who had given up on the idea of, of the kingdom of God ever coming down. Y- yes, God exists, but he's not active. He's not involved. He's out there. He's forgotten all of us. He never is coming back. And so they decided to collaborate with Rome. They decided to become like Rome. That, that was the thing, right? This is where they got their power to rule the temple. And then there was another faction who were disgusted by these folks. Um, so, so we call them reformers. In, in the Bible, they're called Pharisees, but they've come to reform, and they, they were always fighting with the Sadducees. And their idea was, why don't we just isolate ourselves from the rest of the world? Why, why don't we just close off ourselves and, 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 and get, get, get as pure as we can and, and, and be as pious as we can be, be so different from the Gentiles and, and everybody, even our own brothers and sisters that are Israelites, but they're not obeying the law. And when God sees how pure and pious we are, he'll destroy the rest of the world and then we'll rule the world. So these were the visions. Rome was kind of, they were the world. The Sadducees, or the, the Zealots, they, they, they're like, we exist to rule the world. The Sadducees said, no, nah, let's just become like the world. The, the, the Pharisee said, no, 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 let's isolate from the world. But here's the problem, everybody. God had a vision. 
You're, you're gonna be a blessing. Through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. You're gonna, I'm gonna make a covenant of salt. I'm gonna make a covenant of light with you. You're gonna change the world. You're gonna make a difference all throughout the world around you, but nobody was doing this in those days. God wanted them to be salt and light, and the problem is, is nobody was being a blessing to the world, which as we saw, God did from the beginning, bless, 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 and it's in the middle of all that that Jesus comes He's healed, he's proclaiming the good news, he's healing, he's manifesting the kingdom. All the crowds have gathered. He steps up onto a hillside. Disciples gathered around. Remember who the group is there, the broken, the hurting, the confused, the poor in spirit, the mourning, right? And he remembers how God said to Abraham, I'm gonna bless you, Abraham, and through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Jesus starts talking to this ragtag group of people that he's been healing and delivering and setting free. And the very first words out of his mouth are blessed. Blessed are who? Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are mourning. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are you. Let's review again. What's coming? The good news. Isaiah tells us this. What's the good news? Our God reigns. Up there is coming down. Who's bringing the good news? Jesus, the Messiah, is. Who's the good news for? The people gathered around. Jesus says, good news. It's for you, 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 and you. And here's where Jesus makes a carefully executed turn. All of these things he's saying, they're not just random blessings and ideas. He's focusing his energy. He's focusing his thoughts, focusing his thoughts. And he says, he moves from bless, bless, bless are you. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now we know where that comes from. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, here's what's happening here. He's describing with this word, these words, He's describing what has happened in Israel, what these people, the Romans, the Zealots, the Sadducees, the Pharisees have done with his vision for the world, for the nation of Israel. He's making a very serious charge, an indictment against them. I made a covenant of salt with your ancestors that you were gonna be blessing everybody that you came in contact with. You were supposed to be a preserver. You were supposed to be a flavor. You were supposed to be salty in the good way. Come on, not the ugly way, right? But you've lost your saltiness. You've forgotten why I blessed you to begin with. You've completely lost the vision for why you exist as a people. And now, he says, the salt, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, right? And then, he's, verse 14, he's not done. And you are the light of the world. He made a covenant of salt. He made a covenant of light. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a light and put it under a bowl, right? He says, is that it? Okay, yeah, instead they put it on a stand that gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may what? See your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, back up one. Back up one for me just real quick. You are, say this with me, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He's not saying try hard to become, work at it, get better at it. No, no, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And you either are showing their light or you're not showing it, but it's not because you don't have light. 
you are, you are either salting the world and adding flavor and preserving. You are doing good things. You either are or you're not, but it's not because you don't have good things inside of you. It's not because you don't have light inside of you. You either are or you're not but you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill, right? And here's what's crazy about him saying to this ragtag group of people and to us by extension, you are the light of the world. That was, that was his own saying. John and John, he says, I am the light of the world. And now he's saying, by the way, this was also what the, the best rabbis were called. They were called the light of the universe. You, the, because of their brilliance, because of their understanding of the biblical text. Hey, you're bringing light. And there are Pharisees and there are Sadducees gathered hearing this. And he's not saying to them, you're the light of the world, which was what everybody said to them. He's saying to these people, to the regular people, you are the light of the world. When the kingdom comes in your life, when you receive the gospel, when the spirit of God takes up residence in your heart, what happens is the light of Jesus, who, who is the light of the world, it starts to be shed abroad in your heart, in your life, by your actions to the rest of the world. So he says, he says, go to the next one for me one more time. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others and what's the result of that? That they may see your good deeds. Good deeds is the light. Light is truth. Light is Jesus. Light is, hey, but when you catch the vision of Jesus, which is what he's trying to do, when he's talking about kingdom come, the whole Sermon of the Mount is, what does it look like in the world when up there comes down here? Th this is what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's a declaration of this is the way life will look. And when, it, when we get it right, the light comes through. The salt comes through us when we get it right. And so here he is to these people who had been poor in spirit and confused and broken and powerless and prisoners and captives. He says, now you're blessed. You're, you're blessed because I'm here. You thought you had missed out on the good life, but I've come specifically for you who's every, who everyone else has forgotten. And you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. And this world that I love is broken and decaying and dark and I've come to bring up there down here because I am intent on taking back the powers from the, from the people of this world who are abusing the power and I'm gonna give it to people to go out and make a difference in this world. I'm gonna bless you to be a blessing and this community that we're gonna create, this is who he's talking to, we're gonna create a community, the church, he, he's saying in, in Acts, we'll, we'll find out what the thing is. He says this community, we're gonna set it up on a hill of bright light and potent salt. And this people, these people are looking around each other going, who, us? Like, have you seen us? Like, we're not bright. We're not salt. Like, we're nothing. Like, don't you mean the Romans with all their power? Don't you mean the zealots with all their fire and passion? Don't, don't you mean the Sadducees with all their, Sadducees with all their connections and wealth? Don't, don't you mean, mean the reformers with their piety and, and religiosity? And he's like, no, no, no. You are the light of the world. I've come to usher in a new realm, a new kingdom. Up there comes down here, and here's what I'm gonna do. Jesus is telling them, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna love all of them. All of them, the Romans, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Zeal I'm gonna love all of them, right? I'm gonna love the Roman centurions. They're gonna become followers of me. I'm gonna have a zealot become one of my disciples, Simon, right? I'll love the priests. I'll love the Pharisees. Even one of them, Nicodemus, is gonna help bury me one day, but, but, but all of them won't get it. They won't all understand it. They'll fight me. They'll oppose me. They'll persecute me. They'll imprison me. And eventually they'll kill me. But then here's the next step in the plan. You, my, my people, right? You will love them. Who? The people who just killed me. 
the people who just abuse me, the people who, you're going to love them. You're gonna love the people of this world even when they fight you and oppose you and persecute you and make fun of you and your ideas and your ideologies, your thoughts and your belief, even when they marginalize you, you're not gonna get sucked into a war with them. You're gonna rise up and you're gonna love them even more. And you're gonna stand up and you're gonna use your blessedness that I'm giving you to become bright light and salt. You're not gonna get sucked into the kingdoms of this world and their infightings and their divisions. You're gonna shine the love of God into this dark world. You're gonna bring salt into a tasteless world. You're gonna bring flavor, preserve what is good and right. Not all of you are gonna get it, not then, not now. But some people did. And those people in Acts, we find it says that of them it was said that they turned the world upside down. And there are people here now who will get this, who will also help turn the world upside down. The blessed life is not just about how to get more blessings. The blessed life is about how to be a blessing. Two thoughts around this, two takeaways. Memorial Day weekend, we're gonna go out and grill burgers and whatever else is gonna happen next. But two thoughts. Number one, joyfully receive all the blessings of God that he gives you. And what I mean by that is spend your time looking at your life and finding all the places and all the ways that you've already been blessed. Become great at detecting blessings around you because here's why that matters. Because I cannot give to anybody else what I do not first have. I must come to see myself as one who is blessed by God with peace and goodness and hope and joy in life, I must see myself as one. And, and when the greatest teacher who ever te- taught preached the greatest message that's ever been preached, he starts off with blessed, blessed, blessed are you. You count your blessings. Come on, old school people who raised in church, you count your blessings, name them one by one. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Like seven people, right? Come on, but you guys know, churchy people, you know that song. Okay, I'm gonna give you some blessings. I have been blessed because I have a God in heaven who loves me. Because Jesus went to the cross for me. Because I have forgiveness for my sins because he went to the cross for me. Because I have the Holy Spirit living inside my heart to guide me and empower me and protect me. Because I have a church where I get to be part of the family of God. Where I get to contribute to the changing of the world. He's given me spiritual gifts that I can use to, to, to contribute something meaningful to this life. Like he didn't ask me to be salt and light and not give me salt and light. He, you are salt. You are light. Come on somebody. Because when the end of my life comes I have the promise of hope that there is more to this life than this life. There is something out there called heaven, and that is my home forever. I have been blessed. Receive the blessings from God. Count them, name them, one by one. Secondly, give. Blessings come down, blessings go out, and Jesus was the master at this. Everywhere he went, he was blessing. Little children would come to him. The disciples were like, get away, little kids. He'd go, no, 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 bring the kids to me. And he would bless them and he would touch them. And this is, our, this is our task. A church ought to be the place where people can come from the outside who may feel lost or hopeless or, or, or lonely and find people who will love and connect and hug, bro hug, high five, whatever it is, and touch, right? The Bible says that blessing is in, intergenerational, meaning that one generation blesses the next generation. And the generation that is coming looks and says, I wanna, can you bless me? 
And the churches that make a difference in this world are the churches where people who look like me, who are older, have little hair, and it's gray. The four that I have, they're gray. Come on, somebody. Right, looks for people who don't have gray hair and who actually have hair and say, I want to bless you. And I want to champion you. And, and I want to give you, I want to cheer for you. And, 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 and what, if, what if in this community, in this city around us, all these young people and all these young adults who are looking for blessings and looking for hope figured out this is the place where you could find that. Where there are adults and there are leaders who, would, who, who will love and who will champion and who will pray and say you can count on me to make sure this church isn't just all about me and the people who who are older, but we're gonna, we're gonna put our blessings on you. We're gonna throw everything we have for, for our children, for our students, for our young adult. We're gonna go everything we have to make sure they know you're blessed and you're loved and, 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 and we care for you. It was a blessing just like that at 18 years old that changed my life forever. Playing, I'm playing ball in the gym and this pastor who I didn't even know called me to the side. His name was Daryl Johns, I'll never forget it. He said, Danny, you don't know me, but man, God just showed me something about you, bro. He's like, God's got, he put his hands on my shoulder. God's got something for you, man. God wants to bless you. God wants to use your life. All these other people still playing ball. Danny, God has something for you. And that, that blessing, that day, that moment shook me up so bad because nobody had ever told me that before. It changed. The, I'm standing on this platform right now because of one guy who said, I'll bless you, man. God's got something for you. It changed my life. There's a writer named Mary Ann Bird. She said, I grew up knowing I was different. I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. When I started school, my classmates made it clear how I looked to others. Little girl, misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, garbled speech. When schoolmates asked what happened to your lip, I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow, it seemed more acceptable, acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced nobody outside my own family could love me. Then there was a teacher in the second grade we all adored, Ms. Leonard. Annual, we had a hearing test. Ms. Leonard gave the test to everybody in the class. Finally, it was my turn. And I knew from past years, as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher uh, would whisper something like, is, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? And we were supposed to repeat it back to her. But she came over to me. God must have put it in her mouth, those seven words that changed my life. Ms. Leonard said in a whisper, I wish you were my little girl. Can you hear the spaciousness of that? Can you hear the blessing embedded in that? Nothing changed for Mary Ann Bird that day. Nothing changed about her, her face, but everything changed for her because she realized that the ridicule of her classmates were not, a, were not the only words and nor were they the final words, but that the words that Miss Leonard had given to her changed her thoughts about how the future could become. And she goes on following in the footsteps of this teacher who set her free. Mary Ann Bird became one of the great teachers known for her compassion and kindness, generational blessing, words of kindness, words of affirmation. You can do this. God's got you. God's got his hand on you. And, 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 and the people, to people made ugly and twisted by sin, God whispers, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little boy. All of this from the cross, blessed, 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 blessed are you. Now go out and be a blessing. And here's the thing, LifePoint Church, you are the light of the world. You are 
the salt of the earth. You are. You are. You can decide whether you're going to do something with it, but you have it. The light's in you. The salt's in you. Listen, and, 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 and I don't know what kind of resume you have or what kind of income you make, but nobody can prevent you from doing this. No circumstance, no boss, no nothing. In every conversation, in every moment, at the store, on your job, when you're getting your hair cut, when you're shopping, when you're on a plane, when you bring joy, when you challenge somebody, when you listen, when you touch, when you hug, when you laugh, when you say you matter, when you give a gift, when you write a note, when you make a call when you volunteer when you say to somebody Jesus loves you and he'd love to be your friend you become part of a movement that Jesus started on the hillside that day and it's a, it, nations have come and nations have fallen civilizations have ri- risen up civilizations have fallen but but the movement that Jesus started is growing and growing and growing and growing and we get to be part of it And I wonder what would happen if on a Memorial Day weekend some of us would say, you know what, it's time for me to take my stand and be bright light and be potent salt and nothing and nobody can stop you from doing this. And you have influence and you have power, not because of where you're connected, but because of whom you're connected to. Listen, and there's grace in you and there's hospitality in you and there's kindness in you and there's there's trust in you. Listen, I read in a book recently that uh, up in Portland, Oregon, which is one of the most least rather, Christ-like cities in terms of, uh, of Christian influence there in all of our nation that several years ago seven or eight churches got together they formed a coalition for the city of Portland to become it was about fostering and t- taking care of children who were in the system and, and, and right now of the 1500 families that are helping with foster care in Portland 1200 of them are from those churches 12, 80% of the foster care that happens in Portland is happening because people say it's my turn now to be bright light to be potent salt to take the blessings of God that he's given me and to pour them out in this earth that's just one illustration but listen what would happen if all of us said I've been blessed what am I going to do with my blessings to serve to give to help to offer hope it's our turn Everybody, it's our turn. God's vision for Israel, God's vision for Abraham. Jesus comes back, recasts it to a different group of people. It's us. It's us. Salt of, you are the salt of the earth. You are a light, the light of the world. You are, we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're not gonna be part of factions and divisions and infighting. We're gonna be hope. We're gonna be joy. We're gonna bring peace. We're gonna be grace. We're gonna bring love. We're gonna bring kindness. We're gonna bring justice. Come on, somebody. This is our moment. This is our time. Pray with me, would you? I want you to pray exactly what I'm telling you, if you will. God, come on, say it with me. God, make us doers of the word. God, make me a doer of the word. Help me not just to hear, not just to know, but to actually do what you said. In my life, Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, everybody. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.